have another riddle for you. Name two things you cannot eat for breakfast. Are you ready for the answer? Lunch and dinner. I know, that was a pretty lame cheesy dad joke, but I still got a kick out of it. Hello everybody and welcome to Starting Sustainability episode 42. And I am your host, Kaylin Chenoweth. Today I have part two of our three-part discussion for the Netflix series Down to Earth with Zac Efron. But before we get into that, I'm going to fill you in on what's been going on in my life. Well, we've had a few more thunderstorms here in Indiana, and my dog has been at it again. This time, he ate the carpet. Not a little bit. We're talking approximately a good 16 square feet of carpet. It's not his fault. We got new medication for him, and it was thunderstorming, and I had to go to work, so I gave him the medicine and left, and it wasn't strong enough for him. Well, the good news is we are going to get new carpet anyways, because this carpet is probably 15 years old. It's the same carpet that we moved into the house with, and it's gross. We just were waiting to save up enough money, but it looks like we are now going to be getting that sooner rather than later. It's just a little frustrating to rearrange the order of our finances. Also, I did get some fair trade chocolate. Remember episode 40 with Dr. Benton about buying local? We had a nice discussion about fair trade chocolate in there. So when I saw it at the grocery store, I made sure to buy a couple of bars of it. And let me tell you this, it is super tasty. I think mostly because it is guilt-free. <laughs> it is a little bit more pricey, but I just savor it that much more. I do have a correction that I need to make. You will listen in on this group discussion, which we recorded over a week ago, and you'll hear us talk about episode three, the Costa Rica episode, and in there they have a special drink called well, I was calling it herbal mate, but the real name for it is called yerba mate with a Y. So the actual drink is called yerba mate. And in this discussion, you'll hear me talk about how I would really like to try it. Funny enough, when I was picking my imperfect foods pick list, guess what came up as an item that I could purchase? Yerba mate. As I looked into it, I realized it's pretty high in caffeine, and I have a caffeine sensitivity, so I avoid caffeinated beverages, and my husband is a coffee guy, not a tea drinker, so I ended up not getting the yerba mate, but hopefully you guys will be able to give it a shot at some point and give us feedback on how it is. Also, I just found out for the entire month of August, Imperfect Foods is offering a $20 discount off your first box. That is a really good deal. I only got $10 off my first box, and that was the deal that I could get for you if you use the promotional code START, you'll get $10 off your first box. But for the month of August only, it's $20 off, and of course, I don't get a special code. It has to be a hyperlink. So I'll be putting the link in the beginning of the podcast description. So whatever service you use to listen to the podcast, it'll be in that beginning little description part right before you hit play. So you can use that link to get yourself $20 off. And keep in mind, there is not a contract with Imperfect Foods. So you can sign up, get your first box $20 off, and then you can cancel. The end. And now for the last part, which is going to be the toughest part. I have a public service announcement for everybody. Please, please, please continue to practice social distancing, wash your hands, and wear a face mask. At this point, due to the pandemic, I have now just lost the fourth person that I know due to coronavirus. Unfortunately, this person was incredibly close to my entire family. Her name was Marquetta Elming. She was 87 years old, and we called her Mama. And she was the best darn Mama that there was. She was not blood-related to me, but she's the only grandma that I've known, and she rocked it. Was she an older person? Yes, she was 87. Did she have pre-existing conditions? Yeah, she sure did. And I don't know why everybody has to ask that whenever I say that I lost someone to me. It's almost like they're trying to justify why she was taken away from us. 
But the real answer is, it was completely unfair. She definitely had a lot more life to live, and it's unfair that she was taken due to this stupid virus. This podcast is going to come out on Monday, August 24th, but right now, today, while I'm recording, is currently Friday the 21st, and tomorrow, Saturday, August 22nd, will be Mamaw's funeral. At the time that we recorded this panel discussion, we had just found out that she had contracted the coronavirus, so we were doing a whole lot of hoping and praying that she would pull through, and unfortunately, as time passed on, so did Mamaw. If you are religious or spiritual, and you would like to say a prayer for the Elming family, that would be incredibly meaningful. At this point, we'll go ahead and get to it, and here is the group discussion. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Starting Sustainability. This is our group discussion on Down to Earth with Zach Efron, and this is part two of a three-part series, and we'll be covering episodes three, four, and five this evening. With me, I have Colin and Emily and Dawn. Say hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hola. <laughs> All right. We will start off talking about episode three, which is Costa Rica. But real quick, I wanted to ask, I had mentioned to Emily and Colin, I don't think I told you, Dawn, last time about a drinking game. I was wondering if anybody participated in the drinking game when they watched these episodes. No. No, no we didn't. Oh, you <laughs> didn't? So, so the drinking game, this is what I read up on Facebook and whatnot. The drinking game is every time that Zach, Efron, or Darren says, whoa, sick, mind blown, you take a drink because they say it a lot. It is a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I agree. Okay. I will have a gallon of water with me when I watch the next time and we'll see how much is left. I think I could do that with water. You will have to pee by the end of the episode. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's jump into Costa Rica. So at the beginning, the episode title was Pura Vida, which is pure life. And in here, they're talking about the main part of it was going to Costa Rica and the big community of different families that live there and a lot of the sustainable ways that they stay together as a community. Emily, you've been to Costa Rica, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. I went there after I graduated high school. So it's been nine years now. But okay, watching it again was, it's really, it makes you remember everything and how beautiful of a country it really is. Yeah. So what, what part of the episode spoke out to you the most since you've been to Costa Rica? Um, I remember zip lining. Um, I'm pretty sure we did the exact same one they did because we hiked. And then I also bungee jumped at the end of, like the last of it was a bungee jump, um, which I did that. And then the monkeys and just like the greenery and like the way um, they shot a lot of it um, reminded me like I it brings back a lot of vivid memories of being there. And the food um, we they had like meals set up for us because it was with a school trip and so the meals were all really really good and they always had fruit with every single meal. And now like watching back it, it makes sense why there's fruit with every single meals because our country has lots of fruit. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, no way. <laughs> what were you saying about the jackfruit and the avocado? Oh, the jackfruit? I eat jackfruit now. Um, it's like a huge meat substitute for me, but it's not very plentiful here. You usually buy the jackfruit in like a pre-made seasoned or sauced package. So that's, you I, that's how I find it. Yeah, it's super difficult to find in, in its own fruit, like in its raw form. And but, it's kind uh, of pricey, at least yeah. when I find it. Yeah, I haven't had a chance. I haven't, I have had zero luck finding it in its raw form and being able to do stuff with it. But um, when I get the chance to find a barbecue flavored one, it's super awesome as a barbecue, like instead of pulled pork sliders, it's a really good substitute for barbecue pulled pork sliders. Awesome. Did you have fresh jackfruit when you were down there, Emily? Probably. I'm yeah, sure I did. Time. We had like, we had like everything. I'm sure I did. Yeah. <laughs> Dawn, what were you saying about the avocados before we hit the record button? I've never seen an avocado that big, the size of three fists. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably a lot of calories in that avocado. <laughs> that's a three-day supply for me, right? Yeah. Like, that was only, yeah, half of one. That was huge. 
one of the things that I took away is they asked the question, what if your lawn was food? And that's what they did there in that commune, which is that community that everybody lived together. What if your lawn was food? Which is a wonderful concept because when you think about here in America, majority of the people manicure their lawns and they put pesticides and chemicals all over it. They're not, and everything that's in there is a decorative purpose, but very, very rarely is the stuff in their lawn for sustainable issues. Dawn, I know you have a garden. If you could decorate your yard, if you could, if it was normal to do that here, what would you put in your front yard instead of flower beds, gardening wise? Oh God, I would, I, you know, if we had all the right seasons, I would grow so many more herbs year round because those you use all the time. And uh, there's so many things I would have year round, but we're seasonal. So it's very challenging. It Instead, is. unfortunately here, you get like a gazillion zucchini at once and you got to figure out how to process it and store it and a gazillion tomatoes and you got to figure out how you can store it. And so, and a bunch of beets and Colin figured out how to make really good beet juice, by the way, with all the beets we um, got from our garden. Awesome. So it's, it is tricky to figure out how to store the food because you get so much of it at once. If I, if I could grow it in, in stages around my yard, that would be awesome. Yeah. I'd like to know how to do that. <laughs> well, let's pretend that you can live wherever you want and the weather is ideal. How would you decorate your yard then? That would be fun to do actually, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm thinking pineapple trees. Yep, yep. You could have your fruit trees here and like the corn is the background because, you know, <laughs> you could make it really amazing. You could get a little pumpkin vine going all over the place. Mm -hmm. I still have the herbs real close to the door because like you, you just use a little of those at a time and they, yeah, they're easy to grab. Yep, that would be neat. How about you, Emily? You've traveled around the U.S. Have you observed anybody using food as their decoration in their lawns? Um, not more than grandpa. <laughs> I feel like grandpa has the most like fruit trees and stuff. His lawn's completely decorated. Yeah. <laughs> trees <laughs> producing. So he's probably has the most, um, but no, I'm mostly gardens have always been in the backyards of people's houses that I can remember driving through. Um, the biggest thing in Washington was their cherries. They have like the best cherries. The Rainier cherries are still my favorite, probably one of my favorite fruits ever um, that you can get in the U.S. But no, besides like trees, I can't think of anyone decorating the front of our lawns anywhere. But in um, California, my friend where she lived in like a back house, so like a, a like an Airbnb style back house, and one of the trees there grew tons of lemons. So she always had like fresh lemons. Um, that we like it just grows all the time so that was actually nice because California there's not really seasons so you always have these le fresh lemons that are always growing there which was and it was right when you walked in there like her front of where she lived our brother Todd had a bunch of citrus uh, bushes or trees in the back of his yard which was really nice so you could go out and grab an orange and have that for breakfast or go grab a lemon and put it in some lemon water he had he had a bunch of those in his backyard so that would be but again, he lives in California, so he could have those nice little luxuries. Mm -hmm. yeah, true. When I was in Florida, we had a lemon tree in our backyard, but the lemons, they came every November. It would spend like the whole year trying to get lemons. And then all of a sudden, they would just be these green, hard fruits almost all year round. And then suddenly, bam, they would just get real big and turn yellow. And you could harvest them all in November. And that was it. <laughs> what were you going to say, mm -hmm. Colin? I cut you off. I was going to say permaculture is actually really big in Alaska. Oh, tell us about that. Um, so when I was looking into moving up there, I luckily found a job, but I told myself if, if I don't find a job, I'm going to go up there anyways. And woof, like the whole worldwide organization of farmers, farming, okay, uh, organic farming, woofing. Um, there's a lot of farms up there that are open year round and they do permaculture and homesteading which is why I went there was because like I wanted to get experience and figure out how to homestead in a state like that. So what they do is they grow, they grow a lot of cold, um, cold vine fruits. So I know blueberries on the coastal last, um, crowberries are huge. Did you say a crow Apples can grow. Crowberry. Yeah. It's like a more sour blueberry. Oh, okay. Kind of resembles. It kind of looks like a. It looks like a red blackberry almost. Is that what they're eating? Huh? Is that what they're eating? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. So we actually watch another show called Alone, <laughs> which is about survival in like the craziest of environments. And they were feasting on crowberries too. But um, they just do a lot of those um, cold weather plants that last all year. And then they'll plant um, in the short summer seasons, things that grow really quickly, like herbs and other green vegetables. Very cool. Thank you. There are a lot of shrubberies though. They like, they have a lot of shrubs that last all year round and pine and spruce needle. The spruce trees are huge over there because you can make spruce lip, uh, spruce tip leaf tea. It's delicious. <laughs> Has anybody ever done community gardening? Where like if you have a very sunny yard, but your neighbor has a really shady yard, then you'll each plant what would grow appropriately in your yard, but then you can share the fruits of your garden. Yeah, I mean, Valdez had a community garden um, for such a small town. All you had to do was ask if there was any space available. You didn't have to like rent it out or anything. You just kind of grew that stuff and people were pretty open with sharing what they grew. Dawn, Emily, do you know, are there any community gardens in Lafayette? Yeah, Purdue has some. Yeah, Purdue. Yeah. Amanda used to grow stuff at the Purdue one. Our oh, yeah. our cousin. Yeah. Okay, so that's something that maybe, instead of everybody watching the documentary thinking, oh, I have to go all the way down to Costa Rica to be a part of this community where we can have this plentiful amount of food, there are community gardens, which would be an option that you could do, or garden sharing where you're sharing with your neighbors, like in your direct neighborhood. I think pretty much every state that I've traveled to, I've seen community gardens there. We just saw one in Nebraska. Yeah, mm -hmm. that one was big. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I feel like anywhere I've traveled, they have I've seen community gardens. So they're they've got to be in every state. One of my buddies actually helps develop um, one in Missouri. He is a part of this like home, it's not a homestead, but he's a part of this project that it's a it's a home where it's kind of like for woofers, but it's not on the woofing website where you have community members and they have uh, field trips that go to this house and there are volunteers that live in the house and they help run the whole, like the whole garden of whatever they grow. I can't remember everything because it's quite a bit, but. Actually, now that I think about it, when I was in Texas for my internship, I interned at the San Antonio Food Bank and they had a big, big community garden for everybody to come and grow vegetables in if they wanted to. So they are around the US. You kind of have to look for them, but they're available. I'm going through my notes here and I got to the methane digester. What'd you guys think of that when you saw? Dude, those things are, they actually have, they have them for private and like um, personal use. So I'm really into the whole homesteading and living off the grid. And I think it's called a biogas 2.0 and it's literally a smaller version of that. And Dawn, you guys could get one cause you guys compost. Yeah. It literally takes, all you do is dump all your compost into this tent. And then like they said, let the microorganisms do their thing and you collect it and you can actually hook it directly into your stove line. And that's it. Wow. It's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm a, I don't know why, but to do that with compost is not an issue, but to do it with human fecal matter is weird. So I just said it was for personal. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, if you live off the grid. That's what they were doing on the episode there. Right. All the human waste went to, and that's what they were doing with it, is turning it into fertilizer, which is very ingenuitive, but so weird. Well, <laughs> so the whole, like, why that I think that works out so well is because they're eating the food that they're growing. So why I know that you're not really supposed to compost dog waste or animal waste in your own compost is because you're feeding it a lot of, like, processed byproduct and it's not real real because oh. it's all See, that was my next stuff. question i was like you're really not supposed to put i thought you couldn't put waste in there but that explains if why. you eat an organic diet then go for it oh. i don't know there are some some humans who eat a whole lot of really processed food yeah i wouldn't do that then <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't compost my own stuff if that's what i was eating cheese it's and goldfish <laughs> Dunkin Donuts I wouldn't do that <laughs> well and that was the other part so they use the methane digester for fertilizer for their gardens and then the excess methane burned off as their heat and their power source and that's how they powered up their community living area which is also really cool because to just wire in a bunch of 
electrical poles is not going to be simple in the deep rainforest of Costa Rica. So that's how they had to do it. It made me think of Fair Oaks Dairy Farm. Did you ever go to Fair Oaks Dairy Farm in Rensselaer? Mm -mm, I've driven past it, but I've never stopped. You need to because they have the whole setup where they they do all of that with the cows and their byproducts and, and yada, yada, yada. It's amazing. Oh, okay. I bet there's probably other farmers here in the U.S. that do that and we just don't realize it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably. What did you guys think about the Casa Sula school that they had there? So cool. Well, he's a teacher, so he was like, this is really awesome. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that. It is very, um, it only works in a small school setting like that. So it, I think it would work out for them for the obvious reasons, but it'd be very hard to adapt here in the United States. Although due to COVID, I feel like that's what we're going to go through anyways. What, do you remember what the teacher to student ratio was in that school? I don't remember. I don't even think they mentioned it, and we just rewatched it. Mm -hmm. I don't think they mentioned it, but they said that it's a blended, like it doesn't matter it's, what, it's six to 18, I think, or like five to 18. Yeah. Um, yeah. All ages. Yeah, mm -hmm. and there isn't really, I don't think there are like set class schedules. You no. go in, you tell them what you want to learn that day or what you work on, mm -hmm. and you do. Yeah. And I think that's what one of the kids said who had traditional school. He said you get to create your own destiny. Yeah. At that school compared yeah. to the American schools. Yeah, so. which is really cool. It's kind of, it was eye-opening to me where they're like, yeah, the kids make their own lunch and here's a pile of sharp knives where they can easily reach them. And I was like, oh, that would not fly here. Like, we can't even do that. Yeah, that would be really bad. We work in a kitchen as adults and we are required to have them up and labeled. They cannot sit on a counter. You have to have a special cut glove on. <laughs> so that was my, <laughs> that definitely opened my eyes. <laughs> I was kind of blown away with that. Yeah. But I really like the fact that they design and craft their own toys. The kids do that, which is really cool because now they are going to take better care of them. And if they do break, now they know how to fix it instead of just asking mommy and daddy to go buy another one. And it's not going to be cheap plastic that's going to break super easily. They're going to be well-crafted, long-lasting toys for these kids. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, cool school. Have you or Dawn and yours and your kids, have you guys ever made your own toys? Can you think of a time that you ever made your own toy? Well, yeah, things like though, um, a fort out of a box, that type of thing. Like a puzzle. I think we've made like puzzles before. We've done puzzles, yeah, where you cut the paper, you, you draw your picture and cut the shapes and then you put it back together. So they've made, that's more crafty things, yeah, but uh, not hardcore like what they were making at the school. Colin, did you make any? I mean, I always had those engineering tool or toys like the Kinects, the Legos, the Immobiles. So I didn't forge the plastic and mold it myself. But out of the tools that were given to me with those toys, I, you know, you make swords and ninja stars and forts and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't think the first toy I ever really made myself was until I could use a power tool, like a saw. The next one I want to bring up was the Jaguar Rescue Center. They had mentioned that at the beginning, when they first opened that, they would get about one animal a week, but because of the way that the society was growing and evolving around them, it was turning into two to three animals per day that were coming in, which I found very shocking. Yeah, that made me really sad. I mean, it is, when, when I was there, there was a lot of, it was, it, it is a poorer country, and I used to remember, that was the first time I'd ever been out of the U.S., but um, I just remember driving by and a lot of stuff is really run down too. So I would think if like a power line doesn't work, I don't think they just go fix it either. So I think like some stuff just gets sits there for a while mm -hmm. too. So I think what they're doing there with like raising money so it's safer is really good that they're doing that. When they went to the Punta Mona, it was the island. It was the family owned off the grid farm and educational retreat center. And there they had mentioned food is sacred it's not fast food, but a focus on slow food where it's grown, collected, and prepared with love and intention. Like meals there were a, quite the big to do. And it just made me really think about how here in the U.S. it's fast. Everything is fast. Even if you're not going out to get fast food, when you're home, you're trying to make the meal as quickly as possible. One of the top rated searches when you're searching for recipes is quick. 
how do I do a quick or simple version of whatever the dish is that you're looking for? So it just kind of made me sit there and think about the slow food and the process of it and, and reflect on that. Did it stir any thoughts with any of you guys? So we, we tend to have slow foods on holidays only because we are entertaining. So, you know, Thanksgiving would be a slow food time or Christmas or even Easter, but that's about it in the States usually. That's true. Because we're the fast paced life. Go, go, go. Yeah. Even when we're on vacation, I think we're still in a hurry because we want to get a lot of stuff crammed in with the short amount of time that we have. Mm -hmm. We can slow down at least one day a week, have a slow meal. We, mm -hmm. we just had this discussion. We literally dinner. just had this discussion <laughs> at dinner. <laughs> I'm telling her, I'm just saying like, Emily, if you could just literally add 10 to 15 minutes to almost everything you do and just enjoy <laughs> it for that much longer, you'll be such a calmer person. <laughs> And not so go 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 <laughs> but we all need that yeah emily's not the only one in that boat <laughs> well, we just had 10 minutes you know if mm -hmm. we eat our food 40 times before we swallowed like we're supposed to so we can digest it better we'd be slower at eating our meals i couldn't do that <laughs> <laughs> no i'm too hungry i eat too i eat way too fast for that i just I'm chill. I'm slow. <laughs> like, I don't care. I think we need to work on like once a week, slow down, make an intentional meal, put lots of love in it. And then like in the, in the show, they all stopped and just were grateful and thankful before they sat down to eat. Yeah. That's kind of cool. You know, there's a big difference between their culture and the American cultures that they did not have eight to five jobs. No. Correct. Yeah. I think that makes a part of it is that they didn't have an alarm clock waking them up, telling them get out the door as quickly as possible. They were able they were able to do that because they didn't have to drive an hour on their commute to work. They didn't have to clock in at a certain time that they had it's just a more overall slow, relaxing lifestyle, which I'm very jealous of. I would like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I just got berated for believing in that kind of lifestyle by my grandmother. Mm -hmm. oh, you need to get a job. You need to go make a lot of money. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't want to work. Nobody <laughs> wants to work. I would be super happy living in a place like that, waking up, going, collecting food and coming back and cooking all day, every day for everybody. That's a dream right there. Well, they are at that place they had mentioned the herbal mate to drink that instead of coffee and that I'm not a coffee drinker, but I, I've not heard of the herbal mate. Has anybody ever heard of it or tried it? Not. No, no I would love to now though. Yeah. I was yeah. like, if I see it, I want to grab it. I haven't hunted too hard, but I thought that was cool that the coffee increases the adrenal stress. So, so you're drinking coffee, which increases your stress levels, which makes it harder to sleep at night. So now you're more tired. So what do you do? You drink more coffee and it's a vicious cycle. Whereas the mate is the cerebral stimulant and it just increases your focus. So I thought I'd really like try that out. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about for Costa Rica that stuck out to you that we haven't hit on yet? No, they're just very blessed with the fruits that they grow there. Yeah. And they, I mean... I just remember literally eating them at every single meal and it was fresh for I mean, half of my meal was fruit every single meal I had there because they're just, there's just so much of it, which was really, really nice. It is. And it's all fresh. So it just tastes so good. <laughs> yeah. Cause bananas that come from Costa Rica are not the same as bananas that you get to eat right when they're picked ripe, right then and there versus picking them green and then shipping them. And so then we get to eat them a week or so later. All that fruit tastes so much better. I was amazed when they cut the bananas off that tree, but that was it. I didn't know a tree only grew a bunch of bananas and then you chopped the tree down. I had no idea either. I was like, what? You would think bananas would cost more money then. Like, that's crazy. Did they, was the tree, does it grow back quickly? Is that why? I think they're those perennials. It's a tree, so it's one a year. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why bananas are super cheap then. You're right, I would think they'd be more expensive. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like banana farms. You got those trees that are so close to one another and they're like 
you got a banana tree what two feet apart and then you got acres of them yeah what's 100 acres there's a word for it mm-hmm. a hector a hector of bananas <laughs> oh glad you're here colin <laughs> well we'll move along to episode four which was sardinia italy there wasn't really a whole lot of sustainable stuff there but it was kind of neat that it was talking about it's a blue zone which means it's where the it's a high population of centurions are which is people who live to the age of 100 or longer and basically the highlights were they do a diet low in meat and high in vegetables <laughs> and then they have a positive attitude and they do a lot of walking <laughs> did, did i miss anything <laughs> well they were also saying in the one town that like all of the centurions they trace back to like five uh, i i guess you could say original parents families yeah did you catch that i did I that. yeah so they're like there's possibly a genetic influence there um talk about what you noticed with the size of the people well, yeah, they said they don't eat a whole lot of protein there, and maybe it gives you longevity, but all the people that they showed were, um, none of them were muscular. Then again, they were older people, but I'm just, that doesn't really blend here in the States. We, I don't know. I want to have size on me so I can move things around. <laughs> <laughs> I like my protein. You got you to gotta find the happy medium. Like, you don't have yeah. to. Like Zac Efron in there was talking about how he ate only protein when he was doing Baywatch, a whole lot of protein and no carbs. He's like, I didn't have a carb for six months while we were shooting Baywatch. And he was really jacked up and ripped, but that's, and he's like, that's what the trainers were telling me to eat. Well, that's true. The, the trainers were right. If your goal is to get jacked up and ripped, that's what you eat. But if you want to live long-term, you don't need such high amounts of protein. You can do less amounts and you can, it's not so much protein, but it's meat-based protein. You can still get plant-based protein to supplement the needs like your legumes and your beans and your nuts. And you can do a plant-based protein source as well. Yeah. I was jealous of their food, how they had the pasta and ravioli, all the food that they had, even though it was high in carbs, all the ingredients were fresh, natural, locally grown, no GMO, no processing, no refining. It was just the really true, like how it should be straight out of the earth ingredients. Made from the beginning too, like they, they, they made the, the pasta by hand, then they formed all the little noodles. And you notice when they served the noodles, they didn't have a ton of sauce on it. The sauce was just a little bit of sauce. When I serve noodles, it's coated in sauce. You can barely see the noodles. Because that's the only way, the sauce is what you use to give it flavor here. But there, I bet the noodles have a really good flavor since they're all. Yes. Yeah, I was like, that's not much sauce on those. But they didn't need that, I bet. Because they were very yummy because they made them all from scratch. Well, like I said before, there really wasn't much sustainable talk for that one so we can move on to episode five which was lima peru and they had a lot of cool stuff here like that the apples originated from kazakhstan which i did know <laughs> i didn't know if anybody else knew that or not watching this episode I, I didn't know that. and i did i also knew that johnny appleseed we all have johnny appleseed in our head as this american hero bringing apples to the u.s he went around and sold the apples to everybody and then uh, they were very angry at him because the apple trees that grew out of the seeds were very bitter and unedible, inedible apples. So the only thing they could do with them was turn them into cider. And that's how we got hard cider going for us. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. So we went to, they went to Angry Orchard and they're saying all the apple stuff. And I was like, I actually know all this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was, we put apples in the beet juice. So. Mm-hmm. I did not know all apples came with five seeds. I did learn that. Yeah, that was interesting. Kaylin, dad has an apple tree that's a hybrid that is going to, that gives off four different types of apples. That's right. Yeah. So I thought of that when I was watching the episode. So did I. (laughs) They spliced the branches. So it was like a branch from a Golden Delicious and a branch from a Honeycrisp. And they have four different apple trees and they spliced all the branches together onto one. And that's how he got the tree with four different apples on it. Yes, it might produce apples this year. So we're going to have to check those out. (laughs) What is your favorite apple to the whole group? 
I like Pink Lady. I've always been a pink, ever since I had it in California, I was like, I think it was like 10. Yeah, Pink Lady. I like sweet apples or honey crisp. I'm more of a sweet apple. I really like sweet. I go for the Brayburns. They're very sweet. But yeah, the honey crisp is one that was, I don't want to say not natural, but they did genetic modifications to create the honey crisp. They basically took all the parts of the apple that everybody likes, they made it really big super crunchy and crispy, very juicy, very sweet. They took all that genetic components and smashed them together to create the Honeycrisp. Hmm. It's the GMO of all GMO apples. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I'm scared to eat those. <laughs> I know. I'll go back to the pink ladies. <laughs> it's the genetic modification where they were just messing with the genes. It's not the, the negative ones where they have like the roundup in spliced into okay. that's where it gets really questionable but it's no different than if you had two different apple trees right beside each other Dawn, and you did cross-pollinating and you okay. created your own little hybrid right there there wasn't any chemical or anything real scientific interfering with that process yeah i was like there might be a debate on the gmos in this discussion which is okay we just gotta there's good and bad versions of it that i agree with you. yeah eat organic my mom works at the food science building in Purdue, and she's all about GMOs. Yeah. But I mean, she works at the food science building, so I have a feeling it's the, the good part of the GMO and not the bad part of the GMO. Yeah, they're making food. Like, like in the Peru episode, they talked about the potato place. Um, trying to think of, I thought I wrote it down, maybe I didn't. But where they had all the potatoes being held, they're, they, that's what they were working on is creating potatoes that would survive in warmer weather and drought conditions. So they're genetically modifying those potatoes to survive in those areas, but that's going to now feed like starving people in Africa and in other locations. Did they, did they, Kaylin, they said how many varieties of potatoes there were, didn't he? I took notes and I wrote down 4,600. Yeah, that's crazy. And they had like 50 of them out on the table that they were mm -hmm. trying to modify and mess with. Yeah. Stuck by only four different kinds. Potatoes are one of my favorite foods. I'm, <laughs> I would love to go there. Yeah, I wrote on this International Potato Center. Right. That's what it is, International. Yeah, but I don't think that you can take a tour there because they were afraid of people coming in and stealing them. Yeah, they had a lot of security for those potatoes. But did you guys know about the doomsday vaults where they have all of the seeds and whatnot? Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't know there was a potato one, but I think it's either in Sweden or it's in Denmark. There's the, uh, the World Seed um, Bank where... I think it's Norway. Norway, okay, yeah. I knew that existed. I, I wouldn't have, I, I assumed that it wouldn't be the only one that existed. And like they said in the show that the potato place has a backups in Brazil. So they have yeah. backups, backups kind of thing. It's one of those where a year ago I'd have been like, that's kind of crazy. When I first heard about these seed banks, it was because of all the GMOs going on. And so they wanted to have yeah. like all natural seeds preserved in case of anything. And now they're saying like in case of something wiping out the U.S. and creating, or not U.S., something wiping out the world and creating food shortages and whatnot. And a year ago, I'd have been like, that's never going to happen. But now coronavirus just swept all around the world and put everybody in their tracks. And now because factories were shut down for so long, we're experiencing shortages in food supply. Like meat is going to be short. The, the Tyson chicken factories were shut down, so meat shortages are coming. Pepsi and Coke were shut down. We can't even get those products. We're having a really hard time getting canned beverages at work right now. So it's just kind of, it's the tip of the iceberg, but it just makes you think, yeah, maybe it really could happen to where there could be a, a real food shortage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just takes one natural disaster to wipe out half the corn supply here in Indiana. And that hoses all the farmers and the families. And think of all the things that corn makes. It's not just food, but it's a sweetener and it's a gasoline. And it, I mean, like there's a lot of things that the corn gets turned into. And the other thing that we make here is soybeans in Indiana and if all the soybean crops, think of all the stuff that soybeans are used for. <laughs> like you make crayons with soybeans and you make, I mean, there's a ton of candles and all sorts of crazy stuff. It's Play-Doh with soybeans. Oh, really? Yeah, it's called soy-doh. Soy-doh. 
soy milk. Yeah, I was like, soy is very versatile. There's involved in a whole lot of stuff. So that's definitely a reality. They also talked about the superfoods maca and yacon. I had, I've heard of maca before. I've not heard of yacon. I didn't know if anybody had ever tried these or heard of them before. No, I had never, but I thought it was really interesting how they said the sweetener is natural and it's not very sugary. So that it's like a, it's something that a diabetic can eat. It's probably like sativa. Yeah, they don't have to worry about the, sh the sugary substance in it. It's a the natural sweetener, yeah. which I found very interesting being a nurse. It's like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, me too. As a dietitian, it's got a very low glycemic index. So yeah. Fantastic. That's good. Mm -hmm. We wrote down this restaurant. I'm pretty sure we are going to go to Peru as soon as the COVID stuff kind of passes through. So we wrote down this restaurant. We're going there. Oh, yeah. The one with the, all the naps. That used all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, Central? Yeah. Yeah, yeah their award-winning local menu. That's crazy to me that he was a semi-pro skater. And then dude, <laughs> he's like, well, I guess I'll just become a chef now. And like has this award-winning restaurant. <laughs> But yeah, I would love to go there too. That looks amazing and delicious. Did you notice the tables? Like they had like the little holes in them? Yeah. So you could like talk about reusable. I don't know right? what they call those little pockets, but then you just fill those pockets all the time and then you pull the food out of them. That was cool. Mm -hmm. That was really cool. Oh, back on the maca and the yukon, they are talking about how there's biopiracy where people are illegally ripping up the plants and like selling them at the ports and giving them to, so now they're growing in China and other locations. I didn't even know that was a thing, the biopiracy. Had, did you guys know about that? Colin knew about it because he had said something when we were watching it. I mean, it's exactly why California has that fruit in place where you can't bring in foreign fruit mm -hmm. in the state of California. Yeah, even when you're driving, they check your car. I mean, they ask you, you can say yes or no. But you have to go, when you cross into the border of California, you have to go through like almost like a checkpoint. So it's kind of like the stopping the biopiracy. Mm -hmm. kind of trying to, yeah. yeah. Well, and also trying not to bring in. Um, I mean, that kind of thing also lays the risks in um, disease, like plant disease, food, pests. Pests, mm -hmm. there we go. That's what I'm trying to think yeah. of. See, that's what I I've, I've flown in and out of the country before, and that's part of it when, on your customs form. You have to check if you have a plant or a seed or anything. And I was like, okay, <laughs> who's, who's bringing back plants and seeds? But now I get it in terms of biopiracy, but I was, I was thinking like for pest control as, as an issue or different diseases that would knock out different species of plants. Yeah, I don't want another potato famine. No. In that episode at the tail end, they were talking about meditation, how it's the best way to begin the morning and to really breathe and to exercise your lungs and your body and doing diaphragmatic breathing because that's going to increase oxygen levels, improves blood flow, increases energy, and improves posture. And in my head, I was thinking, yeah, you want to get your lungs into shape, especially with the coronavirus out there. That's the first thought that I had. But I know, Dawn, you're really big into meditation already. Did this speak volumes to you? Um, this speak volumes to me and it wasn't weird to me at all because that's that, to me that's like a normal thing and it's awesome that it's more and more people are starting to partake in it it is very calming and relaxing yep it does get your blood to flow it does everything that they said and it's perfect for um, keeping your lungs cleared in case corona comes near you so they're saying it's best in the morning do you feel I think you could do it pretty much any time, especially during like a stressful situation. Do you, when do you normally do it? Um, I've tried morning meditation, but I don't benefit from it in the morning because I'm already kind of tired and, and slow moving. So I, I do best if I like meditate at like three, three in the afternoon, because then it gives me a, a, a charge. By then I'm kind of like, ah, and I need to calm down a little bit so I can get through the evening. And so it, it yeah, it puts me back and check and then I can go forward. How about you, Emily and Colin? Do you guys meditate at all? Colin does. I do <laughs> often mm -hmm. because I've learned through, I think it was a monk named Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, you honestly can find meditation at any time in your daily life. So I meditate a lot in the car um, where 
a lot of people think I'm weird for this, but I don't listen to music in the car or anything. I just drive silently. <laughs> and that's my meditation time is I'm kind of just zoning out in the country roads and thinking. And then um, there's things like walking meditation. So when I'm on a walk, I don't have headphones in or anything. I'm just walking in the woods kind of thing. Um, I know that sitting meditation is best for you just because you're zoning in on one thing and that's your breath. But um, I've tried to get this one over here to do it. I do. She can't sit still long enough <laughs> to find any sort of breath. Okay, but I do when I very, I'm a nurse. I think you guys know this by now on the podcast, but I am a nurse. And so, especially during COVID and other times when I've had something bad happen to a patient or I'm really stressed out at work, when I get my 15 minute break or my lunch break, I sometimes will meditate about five or 10 minutes just to like get myself through the shift. Like, okay, Emily, if you're gonna make it through, it's okay. Like you got this, like kind of like more of those like meditations. I do that, I would say at least once a month at work when I really need it. Three deep breaths is honestly the best medicine to any stressful situation. I'm not gonna lie. Like it's three deep breaths in through the nose, out the mouth and maintaining um, awareness on your heart rate and like, purposely telling yourself to calm your heart rate down it that's meditation right there and I agree with you Colin where you're saying that you drive without music I've noticed if I don't have the radio on if I don't have music going in the car I get a lot of thoughts taken care of all that stuff that you the music and the radio they are distractions and so yeah it'll it'll, it'll entertain you on your drive but when you don't have those, you think through a lot of things that you're trying to come up with solutions for, or just, I'll even have a pencil and a pad of paper in my car. That way, when I hit a red light, I'm like, oh, I need to write this down and write this down. These are all really great ideas. These are ideas for the podcast. These are things that I know I need to go grocery shopping for that I just now thought of. That way, I can just like write down my grocery list in the car. You have a much more clear thought process. And I do the same thing instead of I'm not very good at meditating to just sit there and breathe and think, but I will go for a run and I will do the same thing. No headphones, I'll just, or like a walk in the woods or whatever. No, no distractions at all. And I'll get everything all thought out and my, and I can feel the stress like leaving my body just because I was able to figure out solutions to things and check them off on the list. Yeah. It's the same way when I go snowboarding or any type of like sport, like, rock climbing especially technically that is meditation because you're zoned in on every move that you make like you're not thinking about really anything else but the one thing that you're trying to achieve and in meditation what you're trying to achieve is basically one thing so even when i'm snowboarding they differentiate it to where like i'm not trying to ride the terrain i'm trying to flow it so like every turn is like it's me and the board as one and not two separate things so it feels like a connection. So when you're flowing, it literally feels like you're just floating down the mountain and there's nothing else inside your mind except that one moment. And I'm sure it's surfers say the same thing. So that's why they call it living in the moment, right? Yeah. Living in the moment. That's why I love to like downhill ski, because if you you take your focus off what you're doing, you're gonna you're gonna go down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what meditation is. Living in the moment. Speaking of snowboarding, Colin, did you like the tail end where they went mm-hmm. sandboarding instead? Have you ever done that? I was about to do it yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we only brawl. I'm not stuff. kidding. I literally <laughs> was about to do it yesterday. That was my question. I was like, I think you can do this in Michigan on the sand dunes. I don't think you have to go all the way down to Peru. We're definitely going back up to Michigan instead of Indiana because Warren Dunes in Michigan is much bigger Mm -hmm. and there's not as many people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot of people back there last time. But um, yeah, I was shocked that they did sand dune snowboard or sandboarding on snowboards because I've read the opposite where you actually have a specific board for sand. But now that makes watching them do it makes me feel 10 times better about you bringing my snowboard with me and writing down some sand dunes. I'm pumped. <laughs> well, is there anything that we have not covered yet that anybody wanted to bring up with these episodes? My, I, I'm, I was a huge fan of the Costa Rica episode. I'm a huge fan of permaculture and homesteading in general. So that was, uh, 
that was like a, a thrill of an episode for me. Um, we didn't talk about the cacao, the cacao seeds, which is where the chocolate comes from. Oh, yeah. So that was a really good point that they made that most people who eat chocolate do not understand that they come from a seed. From right? a seed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that there's a fruit. Has anybody eaten the cacao fruit? I have not. Have you eaten it? I'm pretty sure I had it in Costa Rica. I don't really remember, but I'm sure I had that when I was there. And my, I brought my mom back coffee from there, and it was like the best coffee ever. Mm. <laughs> but I don't drink coffee, so I don't even know. <laughs> it was delicious. Good. <laughs> well, if there's nothing else, then we can go ahead and wrap this up, and we will reconvene next week, and we will go over the last three episodes of the series. And that was the end of the recording. And at this time, I would like to give a gigantic thank you to Dawn, Emily, and Colin for continuing to do the panel discussion, even during all of these trying and emotional times. Even this past week, after Mamaw had passed away, they also participated in part three, the third and final of our three-part series. So I want to say thank you to them and hats off for mustering on through. I know it was not easy for you guys. If you haven't been watching the episodes this whole time, I highly recommend that you do so. You have a whole week to get caught up. There's only eight episodes, so you could definitely knock that out. If I could do it as a mom of two kids who's fully employed, you can certainly do it as well. And don't forget about the drinking game. You can do that too. Just make sure you don't have to go to work the next morning. And if you want to contribute to the discussion, if you have ideas that you want to talk about or point out, feel free to go to our Facebook group, which is Starting Sustainability, and post your discussion questions and thoughts and feedback there. I hope everybody has a wonderful rest of their day. Please continue to stay sustainable, and I will talk to you again next week. Bye!